day 13 of social distancing and I am losing my mind. <sighs> well, guess we should jump in episode two. Welcome back to Under Those Lights. My name is Thomas and I am your host. Hope that everyone is staying safe out there, keeping your six feet of distance from your neighbors. Uh, not sure when we'll be through this pandemic, but uh, just keep your head down and make smart decisions to uh, protect yourself and those close to you during these unprecedented times. Uh, I know it's a little tough, but uh, this will be one that uh, I know I won't forget uh, anytime soon. But since we're here and uh, I have a microphone in front of me, let me see if I can take your mind off of COVID-19 for a moment and onto a little bit of entertainment with finance and sports. If you are new to this podcast, welcome. Really appreciate you tuning in, and I hope that this podcast benefits you moving forward. Uh, if you enjoy this episode, please go back and listen to episode one, where we discuss athletes and the importance of planning to reach your goal. For those of you returning to this podcast, whew, thank you for the support. With all that being said, hey, let's go ahead and get into it. We start off tonight's episode talking about sports analytics. Towards the middle of 2019, when sports was actually going on. <sighs> Don't do it to yourself, Thomas. Stay strong. Stay strong. All right. So last year when I was watching ESPN or Fox Sports 1, one of the conversations that I kept hearing was about the quote unquote new generation of decision makers within sports organizations. We're talking about positions such as general managers, coaches, and trainers that are being hired with different, not requirements, but more like skill sets. The anchors talked about how back in the day, or even a couple years ago, decisions on players to draft, lineups to use, and how to best utilize a player were more of a gut decision. And how, now slowly but surely, individuals with a sports analytics background or skill set are getting these jobs. Sports analytics at a high level is taking large sets of data from a sports parameter that you want to measure, say three-point shooting or pitching strategies in the ninth inning, and then using tools like advanced mathematics and computer programming to extract relevant information from that data set. Then that relevant information is then used to enhance player and team productivity. Sports analytics has been around for a while. It just didn't come out of thin air. The book Moneyball by Michael Lewis told the story of how the Oakland Athletics former manager Billy Bean used analytics to rethink how to evaluate baseball players, utilizing their statistical strengths and weaknesses to see how their inclusion would affect the team as a whole. I also remember the story of a high school football coach in Arkansas that after using statistical analysis decided that he was never going to punt the ball again on fourth down. And that team won a state championship. Actually, a couple. For the 2014 NBA draft, the general manager for the Sacramento Kings, Pete D'Alessandria, got on the internet and actually crowdsourced the NBA analytics community for a draft strategy. Individuals were told to run their own statistical models to determine if the Kings should trade the eighth pick in the draft or if the Kings keep the pick, who they should draft. Does the name Nick Stauskas ring a bell? Ultimately, the use of sports statistics like usage rate or BPM plus minus are used to improve performance. And if improving performance gets an athlete closer to his or her goal, well, then I guess sports analytics will always have a place in the game. Now, after a couple hours of researching different sports statistics and analysis strategies, I got to thinking, there has to be a relation to the use of statistics on the field to improve your performance and the use of statistics off the field to help with your financial performance. Hmm. Tonight's topic. Today's topic. The topic right now. Balance sheets. 
Let me try this again. Balance sheets. Alrighty then. A balance sheet is a statement of assets and liabilities at a certain point in time. Balance sheets can be used by both individual persons and organizations. But for our conversation, we will be focusing on their use with individuals. Now, if you tuned into episode one, which was about planning and budgeting, then you know that budgeting or financial structuring, as I call it, is about setting a plan for where your money is going to go. But after you get drafted and start living your best life and money is flying out your pocket every which way, how can you keep track of the progress of your financial structure? Where are the statistics to help? Where's the financial Billy Bean now? Where's that large data set? Where is the plus minus step for my money? This is where a balance sheet comes into play. Now, let me go ahead and put this out there. A balance sheet by itself is not exactly a statistic, but it does give you a way to frame large amounts of financial data, like your spending, for example, into a format that may help you improve your financial performance. I mean, let's get right into it. Wherever you are right now, we're going to need a couple items for this discussion. Get out a sheet of paper, red pen, and a black pen. Okay, now fold the piece of paper down the middle, take the black pen and... Okay, you're probably doing something else right now, probably not as important as this, but nonetheless, just sit back and visualize with me. At the top of the paper, draw a horizontal line followed by the words personal balance sheet. Then insert your name above the horizontal line. On the left side of the piece of paper will be your assets. Assets are items that you own that have value, and this value can be used now or in the future. And these assets can be broken down into short-term and long-term assets. Short-term assets are items that you own that can be used or accessed quickly. And long-term assets are items of value that you will use over a number of years or just will use later in the future. All right, so that takes care of assets. And make sure you wrote that side in the black pen because... On the right side of the paper, in the red pen, probably rocking a high interest rate, representing the complete opposite of assets are liabilities. Liabilities, the opposite of assets. Assets provide value. Liabilities take away value. Liabilities can be broken down into short-term and long-term liabilities, and they tend to match up with short-term and long-term assets. A short-term asset would be like, eh, I'm getting kind of bored of this. Let's hop into DeLorean for this next part. All right, guys, uh, listen, this is the Blues Riff and B. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up, okay? Welcome, everyone, to my childhood bedroom, circa 1998. So, bunk bed with Thundercat sheets, Nintendo, picture 97 Sports Illustrated with Tower Banks on the wall, and a pair of size 12 Nike Air Max Penny One Orlando's in the closet, along with a host of other things. Let's take a look at what a balance sheet for 13-year-old Thomas might have looked like. All right, so short-term assets at the age of 13 would have been mainly cash. I kept cash in my Hot Wheels carrier, a Busch Gardens theme park wallet, and in my baseball card collection. Cash for my birthday, Christmas, and random allowance for the year would have been about $800. So short-term assets, $800. Now, did I have any long-term assets? Typically on a balance sheet for someone who was adulting, long-term assets are like homes, investment accounts, automobiles. And at 13, I didn't have any of those. Hmm... The crazy thing is when I look at all these vintage stores today, a lot of the items from my childhood are coming back in style. And style means money. So let me look around for a second. I had baseball cards, even though 98% of them probably weren't worth more than the stick of bubble gum that came with them. I know I had a King Griffey rookie card in there somewhere. Along with the pennies, I had a pair of Grant Hill Filas, Dennis Rodman Worms, Jordan 5s, long story about those, and a pair of Bo Nose Cross Trainers, yeah. I had an MJ poster, but it wasn't signed. Eh, so skip that one. Sega Genesis, Micro Machines, Carolina Starter Jacket, 
Hot Wheels set. Radio Fire Red Wagon. Turns out I had more long-term assets than I thought. Now, what liabilities did I have at 13? Well, I didn't take out a loan or pay credit for any of those assets. I mean, my parents bought them for me, so I really don't owe anything. So if I take that into account, looks like the balance sheet is assets, $2,800, liabilities, zero. Hmm. Thanks, 13-year-old me. Now, how does all this change when I go pro, though? Back in the DeLorean. Where am I? Wait, is this the draft? Lit Sports is proud to present the 2019 NFL Draft. They the fourth pick is Gobert Select Thomas, cornerback, University of Miami. Thomas, congratulations. You must be thrilled. Oh, I am. You know, it was a long time coming. I'm just relieved it's finally here. Well, it's going to be cold in Chicago. Make sure you buy yourself a jacket. Oh, I'm about to. I'm about to go on a shopping spree right now. Welcome to Bentley Gold Coast, sir. How can I help you? I'll take that red one, please. Yes, sir. Unit 7B is the penthouse. Four bedroom, three and a half bath, 48 the Ferrari inch. 488 is a 3.9 liter twin. That's right, Thomas. This is a 46 foot fountain twin 1350 racing. Sir, this mode. time pieces of Autumn PJ. Rolex Oyster Perpetual Cosmo 2020 Grand Escalade. Eight flight. person hot tub with ultra. This humidor. 36 inch steel hyperbaric chambers. Bottle of Louis the 13th. This Rembrandt painting is famous. Salvatore Ferrari. 2020 Mercedes Benz. Man, that was fun. All right, let's take a look at the damage. First up, short term assets. This section is still going to be the cash, so signing bonus minus our shopping spree and minus a couple months of living, and we're looking at about $1.5 million. Next up, long-term assets, 2020 Ferrari 488, that ran me $250,000, well worth it. 2019 Escalade, $90,000, got to have a four-seater. And then, oh yeah, put an asset next to those two cars. We'll come back to that later. Then I went on Randolph and bought a West Loop condo, so that's $2.3 million. Rembrandt painting a hundred thousand Rolex for my wrist, thirty thousand. Hmm. Looks like I went to go see an advisor, so I did a four hundred one k. That's twenty thousand in it, and it looks like I opened up an investment brokerage account, five hundred thousand. Sweet. Usually, short term liabilities match up with short term assets, and long term liabilities match up with long term assets. Let's start with short term liabilities. The most common item to see in this category would be a credit card, in particular, credit card debt. Now, let me go ahead and put this out there. If you get out of control with your credit card debt, this short-term liability can quickly turn into a long-term liability. We'll be conserved and put a credit card balance of about $13,000 on the short-term liability side. Next up, long-term liabilities. Usually in this section, you'll see some type of loan or debt that you use to acquire an asset. Now, if you pay cash for these assets, then obviously there's no debt. But for the sake of this scenario, we're going to assume that you didn't pay cash for everything. So let's see here. We got one auto loan of 200000 That's for the Ferrari. No regrets there. One auto loan of seventy k. That's for the Escalade. I mean, these potholes in Chicago are terrible. And one mortgage of $1.8 I mean, I'm going to be so flying my West Loop condo. So at this point, my balance sheet is set. But before we move on, I have to say something about those cars. Now, usually an asset on your personal balance sheet will hold its value or appreciate in value over time. In particular, I'm referencing your long-term assets, like, say, your home and retirement accounts. Cars, on the other hand, as much as I love them, cars are depreciating assets that go down in value as time passes. I mean, unless you have a vintage Ferrari 250 or 67 Shelby GT500 laying around. With that being said, it is common for a personal balance sheet to detail cars that an individual owns at a certain point in time because they do hold a certain value. I just want you to be careful about which way that value is trending over time on your balance sheet. Okay, now back to it. 
So as we look to organize all this data now, we have short-term assets valued at $1,500,000, long-term assets of $3,029,000 for a total of $4,790,000. And we have short-term liabilities of $13,000 and $2,070,000 in long-term liabilities for a total liabilities of $2,083,000. This balance sheet looks pretty good. Great job. Two things to highlight right quick, though. First, this whole process begins with you developing your financial structure. Yep, episode one. Your financial structure, which is a plan for where you want your money to go, should guide your balance sheet, not the other way around. And second, personal balance sheets show the financial values at a certain point in time. So when preparing a balance sheet, remember the following. A, you have to set the time frame that your balance sheet is going to keep track of. Usually it's one calendar year. For example, it was draft day until December 31st. And then next year would most likely be January 1st to December 31st. And point B, the values between your set time frame will be constantly fluctuating, so you need to have a process or system for tracking the values, whether it be from an app, online, or paper statements. As we start to wrap this up, now that you have this large data set, which has been organized so that you can extract relevant information, also called a balance sheet, how can you use it? Well, for one, you can figure out your net worth. Pretty easy formula too. Assets minus liabilities equal your net worth. In our example, we have $4,790,000 of assets minus $2,083,000 in liabilities for a net worth of $2,707,000. Not bad. Second thing for you to consider is to use your balance sheet like you use your sports statistics. Use it as a tool, a tool to keep track of your financial progress. Better yet, improve on your financial progress as you identify the strengths and weaknesses in your finances. I'm going to go out there on a limb and say that you and the other millions and the millions of the... Ro I'm sorry, I had a little rocky moment there. I'm just pretty confident that you and the others listening would prefer that your net worth steadily increase. In referencing the previous formula, your net worth is going to improve by either increasing your assets or decreasing your liabilities. By utilizing your personal balance sheet, you can target those assets that you want to increase and put a plan together to reduce those liabilities that you want to decrease. In conclusion, sports analytics, statistics about your performance on the field or court that can be used to help up your game, and a balance sheet, a statistic off the field about your financial performance to help you up your net worth. And similar to my feelings on the first quarter of 2020, that's it. Episode two is complete. Thank you so much. As always, my name is Thomas. Your time has been appreciated, and I hope that you're better off for it. Uh, until the next episode, please keep your social distancing so that we can get through this. You know, as a reminder, look, financial structuring and balance sheets are both tools that you have in your toolbox now. Use them. Make your financial standing better. Put yourself in a better position moving forward. And I mean, do it today. Don't wait. I mean, hey, with all the free time we have in our hands right now, stop binge watching and start binge balance sheeting. Yeah. Um, stop binge watching and balance it. Hey, don't don't you fade me out. Don't you do this. I got this. It's gotta rhyme with balance.